you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Visit mashthosebuttons.com for a full podcast schedule. Everybody and welcome to the Mash Those Buttons Mashcast. Welcome back to the Mash Those Buttons Mashcast. It has been some time since we've done one of these. About two years now since our last Mashcast, and it's good to be back. But I, I am not back alone. I am here with two other hosts. First and foremost, everybody should know this guy from the other Mashcast, the Scourge of Iron Forge. Games industry public defender Nick Zelenkevich has returned. My shield has been down for a bit, but I think it's time to pick it back up and, and start uh, defending. Additionally, we are joined by a new podcaster, Christina, somebody who I do not have a title for yet, but it's it'll come eventually. <laughs> Yo, what up? You can just call me Pop Tart. That works too. I mean, because that kind of goes by with everything. S'mores Pop Tart. Okay. S'mores Pop-Tart it is. We'll see how well that flows in conversation, like Pop-Tart. Like, what do you have to say, Pop-Tart? Like, you know. Yeah. Like, oh, Pop, all, you know, whatever. Nickname it. Nickname okay. the nickname. All right, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Only time will tell. But, uh, yes, welcome back to the Mashless Buttons Mashcast. We ended this show in 2016, almost a year from now. It's like almost two, uh, exactly two years ago. We had our very last episode. I believe it was like February 12th, 2016, something like that, which was actually the anniversary of the show, you know, <laughs> be, you know starting out. Because we started the show back in um, 2011. But yeah, the original MASHcast was a really, was a, like a really general podcast. It was a gaming news podcast. It was our first podcast that we did. So basically, we just kind of talk about what happened in gaming that week. We talk about the news, latest releases, things like that. Almost got to 200 episodes, but around that time, it just wasn't a great time to continue doing the show. But right now, it was a great time to bring the show back. So that's why we're bringing the show back. Uh, for those of you who follow me on Twitter, you may remember that, you know, I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to start this podcast called Church Job. I'm just going to talk about some gaming stuff that I've been, you know, I kind of want to talk about things that are happening in the industry or trends that I'm seeing. And that went for about two episodes. It actually only went for one episode until I brought Nick back to talk about uh, why there's no WoW 2. Yeah, this, this is kind of my fault that we're all here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I did the first episode solo, the second episode with Nick, and then after that, every episode, every topic I was going to pick up, I was just kind of like, eh, I should, I should bring Nick on the show. Eh, I should bring Nick on the show for this. So I'm like, you know what? We're just going to go ahead and make a new show. We'll bring back a show that me and Nick were already on. So, but uh, now it's actually going to be a bit better because now we've got Pop-Tart here to help Yo. us out. Yeah. yeah, I'll try my best, guys. Try yeah. my best. That's I'm more sure than I do. Fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try slightly better than Nick. There we go. Eh, that's still a low bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, okay, why don't you tell the audience a bit about yourself? Because more than likely, the people listening to this show right now know who me oh, know who me is. I'm speaking great English. Me knows great English, <laughs> but um, know who I am, or they know who Nick are. They're probably they're coming over from our other shows. But since you're new to podcasting, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, um, I mean, I've been you know the typical. I've been gaming forever. Started with like Nintendo, Super Nintendo. Um, mostly Game Boy. I just watched my my brother and my parents play that kind of stuff. Um, I was I was kind of stuck in a bubble, Nintendo bubble, until uh, later years of the PS2. And then when the 360 came out, I started expanding my knowledge and my library of games. So there's definitely a lot of games that I haven't had the chance to get to just because of kind of the bubble that I got stuck in for such a long time. But now I try to get a taste of a little bit of everything. Uh, anything from RPGs to sometimes shooters. Um, I mostly try to go towards storyline, single player stuff, except when I play Final Fantasy, which is an MMO, and you can't really do single player stuff in there, even though I try. So a lot of my time has been mostly going towards that. Uh, I do slightly stream, uh, not as much as I'd like to, but most of my time is obviously taken up by work and eating and playing Final Fantasy. So. Work and eating. I've never heard somebody listed as a time, you know, a time sink. I love food. It's it's <laughs> nice. Well, yes, food is nice. It keeps you alive. Yeah, <laughs> especially cookies. They're delicious. All right, well, Nick. How about you? You want to tell anybody who doesn't know who you are who you are? Uh, well, let's see here. I host the two World of Warcraft podcasts on the Mash Those Buttons Network. Wow, talk. And the Torn and the Goblin. And uh, I play a lot of World of Warcraft and Hearthstone. And I used to play Marvel Heroes, but that's dead. And I used to play Destiny, but that sucks. So, <laughs> well, no, that's not true. That's not true. I I, I, I even played Destiny when it sucks. But uh, I just haven't really had time to just play with my console. So, that that's where I am right now. Mm, I, I would have been. Actually, I'm not even going to get into it. I'm not going to take that dig right now i'm pretty sure there will be many episodes where i get to say something not so nice about destiny <laughs> but we're not, <laughs> we're, uh, I'm, I'm, i'll leave it alone for now but uh so for those who don't know who i am like if you came from torn the goblin or wow talk or this is your first time listening to our any of our podcasts i just want to say they, they should know who you are because i put you over like as, as often as i can on there I mean, well, you, you do who's to watch point radio yeah, like you do talk about me, like oh, thanks for editing. Like they're like, oh, that's the guy in the back. Like, yeah, but, yeah, you do the editing, but you're the you're the guy behind mash those buttons. I mean, you're the you're you're the engine that makes this all go. So I mean, if you're if you're listening to this and you don't know who Jared is, he's the re- he's the reason we're all here. Okay, so I don't need to say anything, man. Thank you. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but right, right now the show I am hosting is Watchpoint Radio. That is our Overwatch podcast that me and Blaze and Bob do weekly. I'm pretty sure at some point we'll have uh, Bob on this show as well. We'll probably have quite a few guests, uh, you know, appearances from other MASH hosts on this show since it's going to be pretty general. But uh, yeah, that's what I host now. But you know, obviously, I used to do the old Mash cast. We did a couple of experimental podcasts, and I did create an orbit, which is now uh, out Dead of orbit. orbit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it has landed. But uh, you know, I, I did create an orbit and handed that off to Jorge once I realized that I really had nothing good to say about Destiny anymore. So I'm fair. I'm fair. 
<laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't keep the podcast and keep trashing the game, right? So. Jorge but, still walked away, too. So, I mean, you can only, was, you can only, you know, get so much blood out of a stone. You know, what? like when I saw that he was not playing the game as much as he used to anymore, I'm like, yeah, something's up. So, something's wrong. So, but like I said, that's a, that's a podcast for another day. Let's talk about what you should expect on this show. Like I said, the old MASHcast was primarily, it was just news. Like, you know, we'd kind of go through the news for the week and, you know, discuss it back and forth. Me and Nick would definitely overload with topics like, oh, yeah, we only talk about this for five minutes. We only talk about this for 10 minutes. And we definitely had two hour shows a lot. Uh, this show is definitely going to be a bit different. <clears throat> it's not just a news show. I mean, like, we will have topics that, you know, kind of spawn from the news. But this show really is only going to have one, maybe two topics per show, if that. And uh, it's going to be about, you know, various things that we see happening in, you know, in gaming or in gaming communities with the culture, with trends, you know, with the industry and things like that. So we're, we're going to start the show biweekly, where every two weeks you'll be getting a brand new episode. And if things work out, you know, we'll see about maybe moving it into weekly. but. No promises on that. We got to get past, you know, a couple episodes first, at least, you know, so we'll see about that. But today's episode, we are going to talk about oversaturation in video games. And this is actually a conversation that has been going on for quite some time. The earliest article I found talking about it is from 2010. Like, well, all the way back in 2010, you know, as video games become, you know, as gaming becoming oversaturated. And I think like around that time, that's when you really started to have like the indie boom, you know, where Steam was kind of leading that charge where it was easier for game indie game devs to get their games on Steam and they were selling, you know. Um, I think Braid like was like the, one of the champion games around that time. So either of you played Braid? No, I've wanted to, but no. It's still a good game to play. Like it, 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 it hasn't aged. Like it's kind of like Mario Brothers, right? Like where it doesn't age. It's one of those games, so it's always right. a good time to go play Braid. But um, yeah, like so that was around that time, and even even back then when the indie games were just on Steam, it was mostly a PC thing. You know, there were talks of well, is gaming becoming oversaturated? Now it's way different. You know, a couple years after that. You start to see, well, a couple years, maybe a year or two after that, which would be a couple. Great job. But <laughs> you you, uh, you start to see um, more smaller titles popping up on Xbox Live or, or the Xbox Live Arcade or, you know, on the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 3 at the time. And now uh, with the architectures of the PS4 and the Xbox One, I'm not going to say it's easy to port your game from PC to Xbox to PS4 and vice versa, but between the architecture and the tools that are available for developers, it's, I would say it's definitely easier than 2010 to do, you know? Um, so, and I think one of the main reasons why some of these, uh, some developers have only have exclusivity, like, you know, like they'll do PS4 and PC or they'll do Xbox one and PC it's probably because they're getting the extra dev money from said 
you know. A lot of uh, times, too, they do, like, the time exclusive. Like, so I know PUBG just announced uh, that they were also going to come out on PS4. They're just on Xbox One for a little bit right now. Yeah, then that's probably because Microsoft, you know, they, they, they gave them some, some money to you know, put that into production. So that that's fine. But, yeah, th- we're definitely seeing that the indie games are really able to move around easily now and both console and pc players are have just a plethora of games to choose from i have over 230 games in my backlog then people i said that to somebody they're like wait a minute didn't you start streaming so you can move through your backlog and you beat a couple games you shouldn't have 230 games anymore well that's if i didn't buy new games so (laughs) (laughs) i still have over 230 games in my backlog at what point would you consider yourself as having a problem? I know I, it's not a problem as long as you're happy. Okay. You can Look, quit anytime I, you want. I go to work. I pay my bills on time. I get out of the house. I'm working out and I'm buying lots of games. It's fine. I'm stimulating the economy. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the issues that I'm seeing, well, not the issues I'm seeing, but I'm going to tell you my current experience or my experience over the last few years, and I'm going to tell you why I have a backlog of 230 games. I would say probably after I started MASH in 2010, right, my consumption of games definitely, uh, it definitely uh, increased between review copies and then games that I was buying anyway. I had a bunch of games to play. And for a while, you know, that kind of kept me, you know, the number of games I had to play kind of kept me at bay from spending additional money on games, which was part was part of the problem that we're going to talk about, period, you know, because for some people, they don't have, they, they can't buy two games. They walk into a Best Buy for a console game or whatever, they can't buy two games, you know. Me, I don't really have that problem. If five games come out on one day that I want I'm going to get all five of those games that I want. That's not an issue. The problem, though, that kind of stopped me from buying new games at launch was that I just know I don't have time to play them. And it would actually be a waste of money for me to buy them, right? So, uh, actually, let's talk 2010. Max, not Max Payne, sorry. Uh, Red Dead and Red Dead Redemption and Blur. No, Red Dead Redemption and Alan Wake came out on the same exact day. Blur comes out a week later. I bought all three of those games at full retail price because I knew even though I could not play them immediately, within the next, you know, within the month, I would be I would start playing those games. So that's exactly what I did. I played Alan Wake first, played Red Dead, and then I played, you know, Blur. Now I just I can't do that. When Wolfenstein 2 came out. I would have 100% paid $60 for that game. Actually, I would have paid more for that because I would have got I would have uh, uh, got the season pass because I had that much faith in the game. They would have had to fuck up so bad for that game not to be good with the way that they handled the new order and the old blood. I was like, fuck it, I'll go ahead and I, I would have I would have bought it with the season pass, but I didn't. Because I have a 230 game backlog, there's no way I'm going to get to that game right away. I was playing other games at the time, and obviously I have to play a lot of Overwatch because, you know, Overwatch podcast. (laughs) So it was like, I literally just won't have time to play it right now. And 
it's gonna be like you know it's it, it will literally it'll be a waste of money for me to do that not only that Wolfenstein, assassin's creed and super mario odyssey all came out on the same day yeah that killed yeah. me <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so that's one of those situations where if this was 2010 i would have bought all of them and i would have played them but now it's just too much but go ahead no, but like a game, a situation where you have like multiple games, amazing games coming out on the same day, like that happens. I think there's usually like a day every six months or every year. I mean, back in February, wasn't the problem like we had Breath of the Wild and Horizon Zero Dawn and, and I think there was one other game that all came out, maybe not the same day, but roughly around the same time, like people were struggling to manage their time as far as how they got through all those games. And I don't think that necessarily is that's that's sort of an age old problem. And, and you know, given a course of three months, you'll get through all those games. It's just a matter of the order you get through them and you'll move on. But I think what, what, what you said, Jared, about playing Overwatch, like I think part of the problem here is that we've hit a type of game that is designed to be like the game that you play. And yes, I'll admit it's the wow player that's pointing this out here, yeah. but the, that that. I mean, WoW is a game, technically, I purchased WoW back in 2005, and I'm still playing that. So I'm getting, you know, I mean, yes, I pay a monthly subscription. Yes, I've purchased the subsequent expansions, but this is a game that I made the initial purchase 12 years ago, 13 years ago, and I'm still sort of getting, you know, getting return on my investment in that regard, and that affects my ability to play all these other games that come out. I haven't played uh, Mass Effect 3, which, which was a game that I was very excited for. I have that. I'm like halfway through it and I haven't had a chance to go back to it because I'm too busy with WoW. And I think that I think that the question becomes as a gamer, and, and, and maybe not so much as a gamer, maybe the question is more as like a developer or a publisher, but do you want, like when you put out a game, you want people to be as engaged with your game as possible. You're like, no, I, I want this game to be like a destination where they come when they get home from work or, or school or wherever they are. They come, they, you know, they get into the game, they check their stuff, they, they do what they're going to do for a few hours, and then they go about the rest of their day. And when you start doing that, when you make a game part of your daily routine, when, when the expectation is that the game is going to be part of your daily routine, that changes how you look at this. Because, I mean, a game like Horizon Zero Dawn that's like a, a book or a movie. Like you, you go and you watch it once or, you know, you read it and then you're done with it and you move on to the next thing. And it becomes hard to do that when every day you're checking the same thing every day, you're checking the same thing. And, and I think that's part of the problem. I mean, when we talk, when, you know, going, you know, when, when we go back to before 2010, if that's kind of when we're using like the, the saturation cutoff point, before that, I mean, yeah, you had sort of the, the whole MMO market churn because you had the rise of World of Warcraft. And I mean, 2010 was when uh, Cataclysm came out, when it hit its peak. And I think that, it, you know, like that's really when you saw the maturation of our, as far as sort of the games as these. I mean, I remember like, what was it with the with the Wii that, you know, they had the like, they, they, that was the whole thing behind all the different channels they had on the Wii was that they wanted you to come home and check all the different channels. There was that like we vote channel or whatever. And, and, uh, you know, they had like the news that was on there. They had the weather on there. None of that works anymore. That's all, that's all dead. The Wii is dead now. And that's a, that's a shame because <laughs> really I, di I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's just, I think that there's a problem as far as whether you want to choose to go with one game and just dedicate yourself to one game, or you want to experience the wide plethora of games that are out there and, and, and bounce around and do that because you, you can't, it's a struggle to do both. I, I, 
You want to add something, Christina? Yeah, uh, I mean, I totally get where you're coming from because, like, somebody that plays Final Fantasy, not 12 years, but, I don't know, four years? How long has it been out? For a while. Um, I totally get that because there's things that I do, maybe not every day, but every couple days. Um, And I think another thing, too, is when you grow up, it's like you don't you don't have as much time. You have more money, so you can buy all the games at launch, but you don't have enough time. But I think a big problem is, too, developers produce these games so fast sometimes when they definitely should take a few years because games aren't like they used to be. They take three to five years plus to make at this point and sometimes they just do them like year after year and it the games don't always hold up that well but regardless that's a different topic it's just sometimes especially in september october november holidays are coming people are working more often it's just so hard to keep track of the games that you want to play it's just too much going on at once yeah that definitely happens when you because if you look at q3 you know that's going to be loaded up with games Uh from september to november is going to be loaded up with games so that definitely happens but even beforehand right like you like you get loaded up with games from september to november and then you still you have like that drought and like the almost for the first half of the year in a lot of cases before and that gives you time to kind of move through those games now uh, you know, it, the whole uh, games as a service thing where, you know, games are trying to monopolize, monopolize a lot of your time, that's not necessarily new. That's not even something that really started happening in 2010 because I've always had, like, a main game and then games I play around that. Always. Because even back in the early 2000s, I played competitively in shooters. I played competitive Call of Duty, competitive Unreal, competitive uh counter strike and you put in mmo levels of time into those games when you're playing competitively i'm coming home from work or i'm coming home from school every day playing a few hours of scrims you know to get practicing or maybe doing some matches if we have to so you know i've always had the system where it's like okay well I, i've even played like world of warcraft for a period i played Guild Wars for a period, I played Warhammer Online for a period, so I always had like my main game, and then my okay, I need to take a little bit of a break, so I'm gonna go ahead and play this single player game, and that's when single player games would were longer, like that, like you know, for the past, you know, I would say, well, Wolfenstein and Doom have been different because Wolfenstein and Doom definitely have a decent chunk of of playable time, but like you talk about Call of Duties or uh spec ops the line or other like single player experiences like that most of them are between somewhere between eight to ten hours it's kind of rare that you find a game that you're playing over 10 hours you know i was super surprised that i got 30 hours of sl- out of sleeping dogs but it was i, I, I got to tell that story sometime because i was kind of fucking ridiculous on my part but um uh yeah so i've always had the system of you know i have my main game and i have these other games uh, you know i have a second game that i'll play and go through but now that system is even you know is, is coming apart because overwatch is my main game but even on stream i'm bouncing between like three games right now on stream where it's like wolfenstein and rive and then something else and then i have all these other games that i want to play you know and you know, I guess somebody, whoever, somebody's listening to like, oh, boo fucking who, you have too many games to play, right? <laughs> but I, th- I think it's kind of having, and I think it's having, having too many games to play, for me specifically, and I, I can't be alone in this, is definitely having a, um, 
effect on how much money I'm spending in the industry. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Because I'm spending the same amount of money in the industry. Maybe a little less. Let's say maybe a little less, but I'm definitely spending a, a decent amount of money in the industry. However, each developer is getting less of that. You know, so Wolfenstein with the season pass, I don't know how much it was to start. I think it was probably like let's say ninety bucks, maybe a hundred bucks at the most, but let's say ninety dollars. Seventy-five at least. So that's seventy-five dollars at the least I would have been spending on Wolfenstein two plus the season pass. I got Wolfenstein 2 for $40. Wolfenstein 2 plus the DLC, well, the DLC season pass for a total of $40. If you wanted to, 30 days, 30 days, maybe closer to 60 days after Wolfenstein came out, you could have gotten Wolfenstein the New Blood, Wolfenstein the, uh, Wolfenstein the New Coat, oh, goddammit, Wolfenstein the New Order, the, new, the Old Blood, and the New Colossus with DLC, uh, well, season pass for a total of $60. You could have gotten that from November and then again at the end of December. So, you know, they're, they're losing money on that. And that's how, that's how I, my backlog actually got so big. It's not that I just keep buying games. But when you see a game that you know you're going to play for 50% off, 80% off, you'd be a fool not to buy that game. And it causes, it causes your backlog to grow. And now even new games that you want to play it's like like for example uh dishonored death of the outsider i have been waiting for dishonored 2 dlc for the past year because i fucking loved that game it was so good and when it came out i was like all right it's only 30 bucks too i'm definitely gonna buy it and then it's just like okay well, i'll buy it next week i'll buy it next week i'll buy it next week until i saw it on sale 50 percent off i was like well now i have to buy it you know, I'm not purposefully waiting for sales. You know, I'm just kind of like pushing it off because I have other games to play. And yes, obviously, I'm gonna. You know, I'm older now. I have, um, you know, more things to do. I gotta take care of the network. I have, you know, work. I have, you know, the gym. But I still manage to play a lot of games because I don't sleep. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> what I do because I I. I've given up on having a backlog of games. I have a few games on Steam that I haven't touched it. I think I bought Her Story at some point or uh, or Papers, Please, which I know those are great games and I need to play them. But my backlog, my biggest backlog comes in listening to other podcasts. I have way too many podcasts on my phone and I'm trying to get through all of them, uh, especially because sometimes it's like we're working with other podcasters. I'm like, hey, I want to be familiar with your show. Let me listen to a few bunch of your episodes. Oh, hey, your episodes are pretty good. Let me start listening to your entire library as well as all the other stuff I want to listen to on a normal basis. And that's where I feel like I get backlogged a lot. And what I finally wound up doing is I wound up sitting down and making a, a spreadsheet and I put in, a, you know, the, the podcast I want to listen to, how long they were, how many episodes and everything. And then I just went through the spreadsheet and just, just buckled down and started checking stuff off. And I've done the same thing with my wife because we have a lot of TV that we like to watch and we don't watch as much TV lately anymore. So I, I made a little chart. On backlogged our- on wives. So I was like, what? Backlogged on- <laughs> <laughs> but... I made a little chart on our, on our refrigerator and it's got all the TV shows. And every time we watch an episode, I cross it off. And then I know what we have to get through. And I know some of the stuff on there we're not going to get to. Like I have Inhumans on there. From what I've heard, that was terrible. We're not going to watch that. It. It's, still on the, it's still on the whiteboard. But, you know, we're working our way through there. And eventually I'll get to Defenders and Stranger Things and all the good stuff that's on there. But I think maybe what you need to do is just make a list of maybe like the top 20 games in your backlog. And just, just kind of prioritize them and figure out when you can fit them in. And then <laughs> I whoop, did that. Whoop. 
I did that actually last year and it worked out really well until three months into the year. Uh, then that was it. And then I stopped exactly. following. <laughs> what do you think this is? Amateur hour? Like, <laughs> like, I'm definitely like, I started streaming because I'm like, okay, I'm going to stream and I'm going to stream these games in my backlog. I even went back and played Remember Me and finished that game. Maybe you should you have know? forgot about it. I forgot about it until just now. <laughs> that game deserves a reboot with proper with a proper financial backing because when you play that like so i didn't notice it then right obviously a little tangent here so i didn't notice it then for remember me but now you know knowing what i know about games and game design and how the industry works now they totally had a really weak budget for that game almost half of the locations in that game are reused like they, it's basically they make it a little darker, or now it's on fire, you know, or something like that. So they had a really low budget for that game. It deserves a, a little bit of a bigger budget, but I don't know. I think maybe because I was just so hyped for the game, and when I played it, it, it crashed like five times on me. I couldn't do it uh, anymore. I just gave up. Yeah, that's one of my rules: is no hype. It's no hype. <laughs> no hype. <laughs> yeah, but you know, yeah. So I, I have been, I've been playing through my games or trying to play through my games. Um, on stream and i even have games that i'm like okay this is my main game this is the game i'm streaming from my backlog and this is the game i'm not streaming and i'm playing through my backlog which right now is gravity rush i'm I'm working my way through gravity rush i need to do that too yeah and it's still kind of like it's it's still hard to to keep up with it but my main concern is that you know since i'll go back to the wolfenstein example where 60 days after release it's deep discounted. I mean, it's it wasn't ten percent off. It wasn't twenty five percent off. It was uh, New Wolfenstein was fifty percent off. You know, with the uh, for, you know, and that's not unheard of. But it's kind of ridiculous for a brand new game to be discounted that much. That usually means the game isn't selling that well. Look at Call of Duty. Right, Activision used to never discount Call of Duty. Even a year after it came out, then eventually they're like, okay, new Call of Duties don't get discounted. The year before Call of Duty gets discounted a little bit. World at War, not World at War, what the fuck? World, World War, War II. One, Yeah, World War Two. That, that had discounts before Black Friday. It was you like know, 40 that, bucks for a while, yeah. Yeah, so that, like, and that, that really tells me that they're having... Well, that would tell me that they're having issue with sales, but I might be wrong on that. Like, I, 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 I think it did break some type of record. Well, it wasn't just Call of Duty. Like every game that came out this holiday season was on sale. Even NBA, which is never on sale, was on sale for like twenty, thirty dollars, forty dollars, something like that. Like all the sports games. Like a couple days after things were on sale, Injustice was on sale for fifteen bucks. Like. Horizon was on sale for 20 like things just dropped it was crazy and that's because the publishers are probably seeing well at least they're feeling that games are being devalued because you have access to so many of them and you have access to really good games that aren't $60 if every game that came out was $60 we wouldn't see discounts but I think part of the pro- not part of the problem but the one of the reasons why uh, you know uh, we're having this issue is that a lot you're seeing a lot of good indie games come out that are under 30 bucks you know like sure they may be small experiences like shorter experiences like five hours or something like that but still 
it's like why well, I, I want to play a game uh i don't want I, I don't have 60 bucks to pick up cod so i'll just spend 30 bucks to get this but that still puts me 30 bucks back from playing you know from getting that cod game but you're still assuming people are paying full retail. And like you said, you're, if you look for a good discount, you can find it. I mean, there's always Humble Bundle games available. Steam, if you, you know, you just wait long enough, pretty much any game you want in Steam is going to be dirt cheap at some point. So, I mean, what, then you have GOG and their sales and everything. I mean, it's so even then to, to say that, you know, to compare a $60 Call of Duty versus, if, you know, $15 indie game, you're talking a $10, a $5, a $2 indie game that. And those games are always on there. I mean, Steam, it's not like games fall off of Steam. They're on there. They're, they're you know, they're usually at some point the price gets reduced to dirt cheap and then it just kind of sits there because it's, it's not, you know, it's an old game. It's not, it doesn't make sense for the price to go up. And yeah, so somebody comes in and there's a whole world of games for them to explore that way. And it's, I, I think that's, that's the other part of the problem is that the availability of old stuff that's still just as relevant. I mean, you're talking about playing Remember Me and you said, yeah, the experience not the same, but that's still a game from several years ago that's still, you know, a worthwhile experience. And, Was it you know, so it's not it's not like you're releasing new stuff into this ever-churning market. The old stuff is still there. It's not like you go to GameStop and they only have the last three or four years of games available there. Steam goes back... What years? I mean, what almost decades now, right? <laughs> exactly, because in like two weeks, I'm going to be loading up Max Payne One for the stream. So, like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like, you you do have access to a lot of old games. You can, especially with HD remakes, uh, remasters, and stuff like that coming out. Uh, you can you can you have access to a lot of older stuff that you used to. Um, I mean, even the Xbox One has backward compatibility on a lot of stuff. Actually, be honest. I do play a lot of my older Xbox games on the Xbox One versus newer stuff that's coming out. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I guess you're talking about an overall devaluation of games. But that's coming at that's coming at a at a, at a to a price for us, right? Because you know, while they may be you know. Uh, dropping the price of games for sales, they're trying to make up the pricing in other places. You know, we're seeing loot boxes, microtransactions, you know, stuff like that. That's why everybody is hooked on games as a service. All the publishers want games as a service, including single player games. They want them to be games as a service with loot boxes. And that's how they're trying to, you know, make their money back. Well, I know, uh, especially those. for uh, NBA, they have the uh, My Player stuff, which a lot of people do. Apparently, this year, you need, like, the virtual currency to do literally anything in the game. And it's such a grind. From what I hear, I don't play NBA, but it's just like that. Like, Grand Theft Auto, people are consistently buying money, which has a huge online community, to be honest. But it's consistent. Like, people are definitely spending all money for the, the digital currency. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, and I think the the whole the microtransaction and loot boxes. I, I don't want to say it came to a head, but it's on the way. With uh, you know what happened with Star Wars, with what happened with Shadow of War. For those who aren't, uh, if you're not familiar with what happened with Star Wars last year, I don't know where you've been because that shit was on CNN Money <laughs> with what happened with the Star Wars uh, loot boxes, and um, also with Shadow of War. That was a little bit more low key, but they have loot boxes in their game that single player and i guess if you just want to go through the game it's not that big of a deal but if you're a completionist 
there are items that you can only get via the loot boxes in that game. And they're trying to kind of squeeze that out of you. I mean, loot boxes are not inherently evil. It depends how they're handled. You know, Overwatch loot boxes, yeah, it's a pain in the ass that the drop rate is so fucking low. But let's be honest, at the end of the day, they don't do they're, anything. They're, they're cosmetics. Yeah, they're they cosmetics. don't. They don't add anything really to the game. Mm-hmm. The problem is that you have a few bad actors who abuse the system. That we have a fairly decent system. We understand, okay, like it's cosmetic, and you know, you put the loot boxes out there, and they're not crucial. And then you have these people that come in and they just ruin it for everybody else. And they're like, no, mine. And they just greedy, and it, it's terrible. Uh-huh. They're, no, they're they're not just they're pioneers because you can't tell me <laughs> that other that other publishers well, didn't want to do the same thing. Oh, they, they wanted just, to do the other thing, but they saw what the repercussions would be. There's a reason you don't now. There's, there's, a reason, now. there's a reason you're not an asshole because if you're an asshole, somebody, people realize you're an asshole. Somebody's got to go first, you know. <laughs> so somebody's got to be John Glenn. <laughs> somebody's got to put their hand on the oven and be like, "Oh crap! I shouldn't touch the oven. It's hot." <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing, like, it's basically, like, it's not like, uh, you know, that EA loot box thing just kind of happened and people were like, oh, no way, we're not going to save this. It's all about implementation because if they were maybe eased up on it just a little bit, nobody would have said anything about it. But and the, then, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, though, the problem with that, though, is that you have to look at what EA did the year before where they screwed up the Battlefront game. And right. so this was their response to fix that, and they went completely the wrong way the other way. Well, let's be honest. EA shouldn't be trying anything because everybody hates EA. Every time EA does anything, people are like, they're looking at it. They're looking to see what happened. But look at let's look at Call of Duty and the way D, like DLC or, or chopping up your game and adding and having it be DLC became normalized because of the way call of duty did it you know they put out the game they really don't say anything about the dlc originally now obviously you hear all about the dlc but when the dlc first started happening for call of duty they really didn't mention it on launch like oh 60 dollar game here's what you get it has maps and all this shit and then oh oh you want to play the maps from the last one well we got a pack for that oh we got another pack for maps now we got another pack for maps and it just became normalized it was all about implementation and that that was kind of the problem i know uh bioshock infinite i think did it really well because they released the game and they were like hey we're working on dlc you can get the season pass if you want but they released the dlc like long after like they were actively working with on it my problem is when a game before it's even launched that the dlc is being made or it's completed or whatever like marvel vs. capcom was a big issue because they had the characters on the disc and you just had to pay for the key to unlock it. Like that's that's not okay. If you already have it there, give it to me. The, there's a there. I used to have a problem with that, but there's a reason why I don't have a problem with that anymore. And it all depend. It all works with development cycles, right? So, uh, in some cases, yes, you're absolutely right. They have already made those things and decided to chop it up. Hi, Destiny. <laughs> you know, <that. laughs> you know. I tried. I tried. <laughs> but uh, I just want to point out: Are you defending the games industry here? No, I'm. This is how. Actually, in some cases, like with Destiny, they completely took the dark below was definitely ready to go <laughs> when the game was was released. Okay, but in many cases. Uh, you know, games development works in, in in phases. First, you have like you know the concept phase. You have people talking about what they want the game to be. You have artists rendering things for the game. You have 
early prototypes and you have people building tools and you know it kind of goes like that that's a super high level overview that's even probably missing some stuff there but what happens to those people and not every place is blizzard right not every place is blizzard when blizzard employees are done on a project they just move on to another project inside of blizzard the way the games industry works a lot of the people who works in the games industry are on contracts or even if they're not on contracts if they don't have anything to do they're the studio's kind of like all right well See ya. <laughs> you know, you, you, you got to go. So what happens in many cases and why you'll get on disc DLC or certain assets uh, will be a part of it, of the D of, uh, you know, you'll know about certain DLCs beforehand is because once a certain phase is completed, you know, and they project that they're going to be within the budget and they've already budgeted with, you know, uh, for DLC in the game, right? They'll say, okay, well, we know what, that we want to make this DLC, and we've budgeted for this, for this specific portion to be DLC, so now you start working on this. this. That actually keeps people working in the industry. So I don't have a problem with it, as long as I can't tell that you actually cut it out of the fucking game <laughs> and then sold it to me again. Bungie. <laughs> you know, like, you can't, you, as long as, like, for, you know, for example, the, uh, the Frozen Wilds from uh, Horizon Zero Dawn was definitely added on. It's not like they they didn't just chop that out of the game and, you know, resell it back to you. They were probably really far along in it by the time the game had already released. But that area is that is pretty massive. And the stuff that they have you do, like it's not like a super short DLC. So it's like they definitely put a lot of care into it. And I mean I've seen games the size of that DLC take longer than a year to make so right. that dlc also i mean that just came out within the last month or so and what horizon came out in what february yeah it so, did take a while yeah, yeah. so like yeah. you've got like a 10 month gap there like clearly they were working on it during that time i think the dlc that tends to get upsetting to people is when it's like the day one dlc that you can buy that immediately as soon as the game is released because clearly you and i know that there's the issue of oh, the game went gold and then we had time to like no, you're at that point. You're 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 parsing it up. So that's true. And but still, that even has a lot to do with overall understanding of how the industry works. Because a lot of the time, day one DLC would have never been created if it wasn't budgeted to be DLC. You know, they got they have people counting pennies at these places. Like, oh nope, you will not put that rock over there unless we can make a dollar off of it because we're over budget. <laughs> you know, it, that's kind of the way it is. So as long as they do it correctly, I don't I don't mind seeing day one dlc um even though a lot of day one dlc now are used as um what pre-order uh pre-order right. bonuses and stuff like that which is kind of like uh, really <laughs> you know um i have a problem i do i have more of a problem with that than seeing regular day one dlc um even though i will admit that the mass effect three day one dlc like the prothean uh dlc that like that i still have a problem with because having him there will change your understanding of the game. Did you play Mass Effect 3, Christina? No. Okay. Backlog yeah, because, game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because there's certain things. Like, you'll be in certain places, right? And, you know, Mass Effect 1 and 2, they're talking about the Protheans. They really don't know exactly who they are, what certain things are, and things like that. But you go into certain places without him if he's not on your team you kind of have those same conversations. Like, I wonder what this is. I wonder what that is. This is probably this is probably that when he's with you, he's like, okay, yeah, this is this, this is that. And you <laughs> understand the world way better. So I do still have kind of have, um, 
a problem with that. Well, let, let, let me ask this question, though, that isn't this partially a presentation issue that if they said, you know, like I'm thinking more so about like Marvel versus Capcom, for example, because if they had said, hey, we're going to release Marvel versus Capcom, it's going to cost eighty dollars. These are the characters you get, but we're going to release a budget edition for, you know, in case you're cash trapped, that's only going to cost $60 and you're going to get these characters, you know, this subset of characters instead. And so the, at that point, then instead of them looking like, oh, it's $60, but then you pay more for these additional characters, it's no, no, it's, it's, here's the full price with all the characters, but you can buy a cheaper edition that has limited options and it's your choice, which one you get. Do you think if they present it that way, doesn't that kind of take the the edge off where instead of it looks like they're upselling you, they're actually kind of downselling you in a way. I mean, they do that already when they come out with a special editions, but uh, it's, it's the same thing. It's just a different way of wording it, to be honest. But if they did that and if they did it the other way around where it was, Hey, this game's 60, but for less characters, you could pay 40, then that would be different because that's actually less than what standard games go for now. Um, and that would probably be okay. But they'll never do that. But they'll because never do that. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> help never. them. Like they never. They're at the end of the day, they're businesses. They're never going to lose money, and they're always right. going to try to come up with some ways to make more money. Whether it's being expanding their audience or char, you know, charging different, uh, you know, for different things. Because you know, let's use a flat number. If if a, if a publisher makes one billion dollars in a year, the next year they're going to want to make two billion dollars, and the next year after that they're going to make three billion dollars. But I think you know that process has kind of been accelerated by the fact that um, they are deep discounting games as is. like right now. I mean, publishers, they want to charge more than $60 for a game. That's why they're chopping up games. Now they think that they should be charging more for 60 bucks, but they know that if they go over 60 bucks for a game, people aren't going to buy them. So they're trying to, you know, make money in another way. Like, you know, they're basically like, you know, like well, I remember when Microsoft was contemplating subsidizing Xboxes with Xbox Live subscriptions. Like you can get a free Xbox as long as you got an Xbox Live subscription for five years. That was something that they were thinking about, you know, you know, because all they wanted to do was get you the get you the Xbox, get you Xbox Live subscription. But the real money didn't even come from those subscriptions. The real money came from the ads they had on the Xbox. That's what their goal was, you know. So they're always looking for ways to maneuver around that. At the end of the day, they they're gonna make their money. Yeah. Honestly, I was surprised when uh, the PS4 and the Xbox One came out. I thought for the longest time they were going to come out at like the games are going to come out at eighty dollars because they've been sixty for a really, really long time. Because there's a threshold, like you know, look at uh, look at the, the PS4 came out at four hundred dollars this time because they know that's it. That's as far as you're going to go. Like market, the Xbox One came out at five hundred bucks. No dice, you know. Nobody's spending that. Uh, same thing with the uh, the PS3 when it originally came out. Like the base unit was five hundred, and the the good one was six. Nope, learning that lesson from that. Go ahead, Nick. No, I'm not going to argue on the console threshold, but I think with the gaming threshold, I think like you were saying earlier with the uh, with the Star Wars uh, the Battlefront issue, like somebody needs to go first, and. They may, and I think they may get some blowback initially, but at the same time, how often do we talk about how gamers love to complain about stuff, but then they buy it anyway? Like if, if Breath of the Wild or Horizon Zero Dawn or Mario Odyssey or whatever other games got, you know, game of the year recognition, 
you know, came out at $80, are their sales really going to be that impacted? Because people were going to want those. And then, and, 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 you know, I should, I don't, I don't mean to be calling Nintendo and Nintendo is like the one company that's not going to raise game prices because they don't play any of these games. But like, I, I just think that, I think that especially too, that you're seeing, you know, the re that even with the consoles, they could probably go a little bit higher because what happens is that as you increase the price, you're pushing this more into the early adopter market and everybody's going to wait for the price to come back down because everybody has their price point at which they'll buy it. And even with the games. So you might lose some people who don't buy it initially because you raise the price. And I don't think it'll be that many because as I said, gamers are all talk, but no actual action when it comes to complaining about games and stuff. But I think what will happen is then you might still have more early adopters, but everybody's going to know, like, even if the game comes out at $80 or $100, that at some point it's going to come down. It's going to be on Steam. It's going to be like $25. I'll just wait till then. You might have to wait a little bit longer, but eventually you'll get it at that price or you'll drop down to 60 after a while. I think, I think the only thing, I think what they're trying to do is rather than raise the price, they've been trying to use DLC and loot boxes and whatnot to subsidize that. And I think maybe what they need to do is they need to take a game and throw it out there. And I don't know why I'm actually saying like, this is what the gaming company should do to get more of our money. But what they, they take a game and be like, oh, this game's not going to have loot boxes. It's not going to have DLC. Just the whole game experience. It's going to be $80 or $100. And everybody will eat that up because like, oh, look at this. They're putting it all together. They're being honest with us. It's great. And then once we establish that as a new price point, then we start bringing in the DLC. Then we start bringing in the loot boxes. And now we're right back where we are now. But the initial game is like $30, $40 higher. So I don't know why they're not working in that direction as it is i am sure i, I would like to think uh, that they do the studies where you know they, they're like okay if we release at this price point we release at this price point they have all their economic you know supply versus demand versus price point charts and all that to figure out what they need to do uh, i'd like to think that they do that but i i feel like a lot of this is just guessing right well i mean they there's a chance that might work but unless more like if you put one game out at 80 bucks and the other games are out at 60 people are people are going to buy less of that $80 game because you like okay they're saying okay there's no DLC well yeah cuz the DLC price is baked right into it <laughs> you know that's that's kind of the deal it doesn't make it you know any better now i got to eat the whole pie what if i just wanted a piece of the pie <laughs> you know I, mean, I saw i saw a lot of people buy uh when NBA 2K came out and NBA Live came out live got like crappy reviews this year but people bought it anyway because it was 40 bucks instead of 60 so right yeah, yeah like, oh, i'll play a game i'll play a crappy game for 40 dollars like you yeah know, exactly <laughs> <laughs> people will do that yeah like having a lower price people will give it more of a chance but raising a price i i highly doubt that they will do that but i mean this is you know the fact that people that one, the industry wants people to pay more money for games. They're not raising the price of said games. They are, uh, you know, they're trying to use loot boxes, which people hate. They're trying to use DLC, which people dislike. They're trying to use microtransactions, which people dislike. And it's actually making the industry, uh, well, let's say not the industry in general, because indie games operate or indie developers operate differently than you know, AAA developers and publishers like that. But the AAA side of the industry is very, very picky about the games that they are going to produce. And that's even starting to trickle down to the higher end of the indie sector. Because uh, House Marquee, like last month or was it November? It might be December. I think it was December. So in December, House Marquee says, hey, we love making arcade games. They are phenomenal at making arcade-style games. But now they're not making arcade style games anymore because they're just not 
making the money on them anymore. They talked about um, Rezogun and how critically acclaimed it was and how many people played it. But guess what? People didn't really start playing it until it was free on the PS4 for PlayStation Plus. And they, I guess they just didn't get that much from that. You know, I think a lot of games want to be, you know, the PlayStation Plus game because people will get it in place in that month and then kind of spread the word and help them with sales, but that just didn't happen with Resogun. And the last game they, they put out next Machina, which is fucking phenomenal. You know, it's just not making them enough money anymore, and now they have to expand out. So, you know, why is it that and it's not like that game didn't have any marketing. I mean, I saw it all over the place. Um but it obviously didn't have the marketing of a Call of Duty, but still, for an indie title, it had pretty good marketing. I, I noticed it for sure months before it came out. But you know, we have these these games that are good that just aren't making enough money, and it couldn't have the budget for our next Machina versus you know a lot of these other games couldn't have been that large. But for their studio, they weren't making enough money off of it, and you know, deep discounting the game wasn't really going to help them that much. So, I mean, this is kind of all coming to a head here. We have, you know, games being devalued, but at the same time, you know, is it oh, and is it market saturation that's causing good games like that to not, you know, come out? I mean, you do see, like, the same... I think the problem is we see the same games come out every year, and people are in their habits, and I see it all the time. I'm not going to get Call of Duty this year. I'm done with Call of Duty. And those people are the first people in line at midnight to pick up Call of Duty. Um, and a lot of it is because they're playing Call of Duty, or they're playing this, or they're playing that. They don't expand to other games because that's what their friends are also playing. So if you have a high influence in your friend group that's like, oh, wait, guys, let's check this out, then it'll spread easily. But again, it's it's really hard with the same old, same old technically coming out every year and everybody's playing them. Right. Well, I mean, like one part of market saturation that we touched on but really didn't dig into is the fact that, like, I, well, I think I started in the beginning that my my resource issue isn't money, it's time. And even for younger uh, people who have more time, time is still a resource that all games compete against. And what, what Nick was saying that, you know, the games as a service, all these games want to be a service. It's just taking up even, you know, more time. And, and then that's kind of an issue. But that also has to do with saturation. <laughs> you know, there's so many of those games coming out. And people, I, I, I've read uh, like a couple of Reddit posts People complain about, oh, most of these games that are coming out of shovelware. Obviously not if you're playing them. <laughs> you're playing a lot of these games. You're spending a lot of time in them. And, you know, somebody will spend 10, 20, 30 hours playing a game before they figure out they don't like the fucking game. That means the game wasn't terrible. If a game is terrible, you shut that shit off in an hour or two. If not before. You know, so I, I still think that, that we do have like a saturation issue where there's just too much stuff coming out. So, got, so so how long did you spend playing Destiny before you stopped because it was terrible? <laughs> so Destiny was a different issue, right? Uh -oh. Destiny was definitely a social thing for me because I actually stopped playing Destiny about a month after it came out. This is the original Destiny. But my cousin got back into it. You know, he still started playing again. I was like, fine, I'll play it. And so we do the Crucible all the time, and then we do raids, and then Jorge was playing, and my other friend John was playing, and all of these guys were playing, 
that and it wasn't really playing the game that was keeping me in. It was the social aspect because we're playing the crucible and we're talking about some shit that happened at work. But <laughs> you know, but isn't that exactly what uh, what Christina was saying about uh, Call of Duty a moment ago? That you get your friend group and you all you know you go out and you buy Call of Duty together and you, you you keep going. And I think it's the same thing even with WoW. That even though Call of Duty is a different iteration of the game every year, it's still the same game going back to. What was when Call of Duty 4? Wasn't that like 2004 or something or 2007 or whatever? The, the actual year doesn't matter. That's not yeah. important. But <laughs> like, I, I think that that's, I think, the other side of this coin is that even as we know that there's good games out there that are better games out there that we should be spending time on, you know, that you knew you had 230 games in your backlog and yet you're playing destiny because you're getting stuck playing it because of your cousin and your friends. Well, that, destiny too. I played to prove a point, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> because the best reason to play a game is spite. Yeah. <laughs> I only put in 11 hours to destiny too, to be honest with you. And I beat the game three times in that time span, by the way, that's, that's actually impressive. I I two, two hours. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well go ahead Dick. No, but I, I think that's that's the problem it's not even so much that these games as a service is that they try to suck you into these communities and then like once you become enmeshed in the community it's hard for you to get out of it and then you're stuck and i shouldn't say you're stuck because presumably you're enjoying this you're part of the community like you know that's you know that's your tribe that's where you want to be i mean it's not like i'm stuck playing world of warcraft because you know i have you know a podcast and, and you know and even then it's more so blizzard games in general i feel like they're sort of a massive community in itself and i and and you know to say that i'm stuck is a bit of a you know there's a harsh connotation there that i don't necessarily mean but i think the problem is that really i mean again going back to 2010 like like that's I mean, the, you know, that that's really when, like, I feel like a lot of this really started to mature. And, you know, you look at the, on, you know, the online communities. And I, I know the Internet was around before that. And, like, you know, 2000, 2000 to 2010 is a long time. But everything was still developing. I think that's really when you start to see the maturation of a lot of this, that they're able to get these games that come back every year. Oh, you're playing online. You're playing with your friends. Because a lot of the games that get hurt are the single-player games, which technically, yeah, you can play those, where you know, whenever you have, like, 10 or 15 minutes to kind of get into it or, you know, whatever, you know, whenever you have the time for a single player game but it's it's you know when you ha when you have these games like the, the rating and wow that you're doing every week at a set time for a set amount or even like destiny raids it's the same thing you know or, or you know or you know but you've got time that you schedule with your friends so you can play call of duty it's that's where it becomes part like a ritual that you do it's part of your routine and that really cuts out what you can you know that that really cuts into your free time as far as being able to do other things and check out all these other games that's true, but at the same time, my backlog is not filled with games as a service games. It's filled with single player experience. No, no. But then that's my point is that it's the games of the service games. It's Overwatch in your case. It's Overwatch that's <laughs> clogging up your schedule. Because how much I mean, how much time do you spend playing Overwatch per week and how much time do you spend working through your backlog per week? Well, here's the thing. Like my Overwatch time has definitely fluctuated, right? Like my uh Recently, I've definitely been playing, spending more time playing Overwatch, but I don't even play Overwatch as much as you play WoW, more than likely. Ooh, that's a tough one. Yeah, like, I probably uh, don't. I, th I think you think I play WoW more than I do. How many hours <laughs> of WoW do you put in a week? <sighs> I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say maybe maybe ten. I don't put ten hours of Overwatch in a week. I don't. Like, let's see, let's go, go over the last week because Monday, <laughs> Tuesday, Wednesday, and mostly, most likely Thursday, I am not playing any games, usually, Monday through Thursday. 
Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, between those days, I'm probably clocking in six to seven hours, maybe eight hours of a watch, maybe in that amount of time. But, you know, it's not like I have to play. Like, like for example, uh, last weekend, on Sunday, I put in nine hours of Wolfenstein. You know, like, that's, that's what it is. Sorry, no. The first, I put in nine hours of Wolfenstein, you know, as opposed to playing Overwatch. So, yeah, I'll definitely do yeah, I Like, recently, because, of, you know, it was the end of the season, you know, a few, a few weeks ago, and now we're at the beginning of the season now, and probably going forward with the rest of the season, come and try to climb a bit more, make a more concerted effort. Um, I will de- I will be playing Overwatch more, but I've had definitely had weeks where I have only played Overwatch like the day before the podcast. You don't have to play Overwatch all the time just to keep up with what's going on in the community, uh, especially when some really bad metas are going on. You just don't feel like fucking <laughs> dealing with it, you know? So, you know, I, I've definitely, you know, sp- spent a lot of time playing games other than Overwatch. Like, it's not monopolizing my time the way WoW monopolizes yours or maybe the way Final Fantasy XIV will monopolize uh, Pop-Tarts time. But even if I do play through these games, it's still, you know, it's still pretty tough. I mean, like, since I started streaming, I've only been streaming since um, maybe October you know, October, maybe November, and I've played through on stream. This is just the on stream game, but I've played through Wolfenstein: The New Order, which is definitely I'm pretty sure I have close to 20 hours in that game. I played the Old Blood all on stream. That's another 10 hour game. I played Remember Me, which actually turned out to be close to a 10 hour game. I'm playing through Wolfenstein 2. I'm playing. I, I played Rive. You know, I, I'm like halfway through that. So I've, since I've spent a lot, you know, a decent amount of time playing through these games, but yet. Because I'm so backlog from before, I keep my backlog is getting larger, which is stop is going to continue to stop me from buying new games at, at the full price point. Well, it also depends too on how much time you have per week. Like your time could be different from Nick's time, so his your five hours to his ten hours percentage wise could technically still be the same. Uh, it just depends as well. Like again, we're adults; we have things to do. Like you said, there's like three days of the week that you just can't play games because you just have so much stuff to do. Right. Well, let me clarify a little bit in regards to Overwatch. I refuse to play Overwatch on Mondays. It is the absolute worst day to play Overwatch. If you play Overwatch on Monday. You're you're gonna die a few years earlier than you, you, you need to. Like, do not play Overwatch on Mondays. It's the absolute worst day. Tuesday, obviously, I have the podcast, but Wednesday and Thursday, dude, I'm not playing Overwatch after eleven o'clock. You know what type of people are on after eleven o'clock? The worst. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the worst people are on after eleven o'clock. Okay, so yeah, that that's why I don't play Overwatch at that time. Um, but well, go ahead, Nick. So uh, I just want to know then, out of an average week, how 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 many hours would you say you have to work on your backlog then? Okay, so it's a lot of math. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> I'm trying. To, I, I'm trying to calculate. I got like numbers flying around on my space right now. Uh, <laughs> we need, we need say... that gif of uh, was it Zach Galifianakis yeah. with the numbers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of tough week for week. I gotta be honest with you. Like going week for week because some just weekends just ballpark like, it. Just give me a ballpark average. Give you a ballpark average. Um, I'm going to say to work on my backlog on a good on an average. I'll say 24 hours in a week to work on my backlog. 24 hours in a week. All right. And you figure the average game is takes about 10 hours to complete. 
I don't know. Like some of the games I've been playing recently have not have been definitely longer than that. So, okay. So let's say twelve hours. Yeah, right. those so indie like developers pack a lot of stuff into their games. They sh- <laughs> let's, let's say ten. Let's say let's say twelve. Let's say ten hours, just because I think the math's easier if we say ten. But but you figure too, you're not going to play all the games to completion because you'll you'll play you'll realize it's crap and then you move on to the next game. That's true. There's going to be some games you don't play all the way through. But then I think you also have to incorporate games that are like, you know, uh, chasing the dragon from South Park. Yes. Like Enter, Enter the Gungeon is chasing the dragon. Yes. Uh, sub-level zero at some points, like, to get to the highest sub-level, I've never done. I've gotten close, but I've never done it. So I'm chasing the dragon there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it stays you know, on the so backlog so until you reach no, it. So if you've got 230 games in your backlog, let's say it takes 10 hours to complete a game. That's 2,300 hours to complete your backlog. Divide that by 24 hours per week. It'll take you about 96 weeks to get through your backlog. That's if all of those weeks go well. Like, I actually have that time <laughs> to do so. Well, I guess the other question then is, how often are you adding to your backlog? Because if you're every time you buy a game, that's another 10 hours onto that. It's going to push it back further. Can you, like, knock out a game before you add to your backlog? I've had, I've had times where I've knocked out a few games in the backlog, but then, you know, the first sale starts in the summer. You're going <laughs> to pick up a bunch of games there. Then you have another. There were how many Steam sales that we have? Isn't there like year? we had four or five? There are four. I'm pretty sure. I know there's the summer sale. There's the autumn sale. They had a holiday. They added a Halloween sale. So yeah, they had four. They had the summer sale, the Halloween sale, the autumn sale. God damn it! There was a fucking sale in October, November, and December. <laughs> you consider just not opening Steam during those months. I try not to. I hate when I get the email and it's like, hey, all your library or your wishlist games are on sale. And I'm just like, no, I'm just going to leave that. Yeah. Like my wishlist is like, that's my backlog to my backlog. (laughs) (laughs) And that get that wishlist is 50 games strong right now. I try not to add to it because it worsens the problem. But it's like, I, I, dude, it's like, you know, I'm a gamer. I'm going to play games. When I see a game that's dope, I'm like, damn, that, that game looks hot. I want to buy it. I want to support the developer, but it just financially just does not make sense for me to buy that game right now. And but then Steam sale comes. That's the thirty dollars game is ten dollars. Like okay, like I guess I'm buying that and adding it to the backlog. What you're saying is you need to get the developers to pay you to play their game. <laughs> uh, I hear they don't pay that well. That's called QA. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I mean, like, when everybody's made here, made a definitely good point. I'm not saying that my point of view is the absolute end here. Even though I do control the network, I can just kind of cut off everything you guys said, and or at least make you sound like you agreed with me, chef style. <laughs> That's right, Jarrett. You are the best. Yeah, exactly. But like, no, you guys made a lot of good points. We definitely come from different point of views because, I mean, Nick, obviously, your your, your main squeeze is wow. So you know you're gonna come from you're uh, you're gonna come from a a perspective of uh, you know that that game being designed to eat up all your time, uh, whereas you popped out. I know you play Final Fantasy fourteen, but you also play like RPGs and stuff like that. Where I don't I don't think RPGs are designed to eat up your time, but they give you a lot of shit to do because that's what people expect of them. I uh, I put almost two hundred hours in Persona five, so yeah. It's definitely, it definitely takes a lot of time. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, so those games, they, they, they give you a lot of bang for your buck in terms of what they did. But that, that's what is expected in those games. So you deliver any less, and then people are going to be playing. Like, what do you mean I couldn't spend 300 hours in this game? This isn't worth $60. Like, what? <laughs> you know, that's that's basically like how those conversations go. And then for me, it's it. I think maybe like, you know, I brought up the topic because like for me, it is like an oversaturation issue. Like there's just no way. Like I, I did it to myself. You know what I have right here? Oh, a second. I'm about to, and obviously we're not streaming this or we don't have it on cameras. But uh, yeah, I bought this the day it came out. This is the God of War 3. Uh, that's still wrapped up, by the way. That is in the plastic. And I bought it the day it came out. It, this started before Steam, or well, we, we, before the, the Steam sales, you know. It started like with console games for me, like where I, I would have a bunch of console games that I would buy. Oh, shit. Oh, well, I'll pick that up later. But, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I would buy them and then not be able to finish them. So um, too bad they don't give you good store credit when you take those back. They just open the plastic, and that's kind of it. It's a shame. <laughs> But yeah, for me, it definitely is like a kind of a saturation issue. Like, there's just so many games that I want to play. If you only play one game or two games, then you know, sure, it's a, it's like a time issue, maybe. Like where, you know, if you if you play nothing but Destiny, you know that Destiny is going to eat up a lot of time during your week. Then you won't bother playing the games. And Mike, in my case, and I'm sure that there's somebody, there's a lot of people in all of our situations here. Uh, you know, it's just that it doesn't make financial sense for me to buy this game right now. And then it just gets pushed off and pushed off and pushed off, you know, because Wolfenstein, if they would have charged me $100 for that game, it is worth every fucking penny, every last penny. Amazing. If they shut that studio down, I'm burning down Bethesda. I've seen the office. I know where it is. It's not that far. It's a drive away from where I am right now. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Bethesda. I did not know that. Yeah, it's not that far. <laughs> but um, yeah, the uh, it, it I would have I would have had no problem paying full price for that game, but it just didn't make any sense. Like I'll get to it. And Death of the Outsider. I mean, I mean, I, now I even bought that for half off, and I still haven't even touched it. You know. I think a big issue for me too is because I play a lot of Japanese and JRPGs and stuff. Um, sorry, Japanese games. I should have finished that. Um, <laughs> a lot of those. <laughs> a lot of those games come out in the summer um so i don't have that summer break that most people do like tokyo mirage sessions last year came out in like july and i put like 80 hours into that alone um Mm. even the beginning of this year i have the end of the month monster hunter dragon ball fighters decidia uh february i have bayonetta one and two dual pack like there's far cry there's so many things still coming out it hasn't stopped yet for the year Right, no, I agree with you. I mean, during the summertime, like, well, the, the thing is, that there is no season for indie games either. So right. there's always games coming out, and it, great indie games. So that that's kind of my poison. Um, Nick, I think your excuse is that you have a baby, right? That's part of it. Yeah. Though, <laughs> no, like, no, seriously, though, that has, yeah, that has significantly cut down on, on the amount of time I have to play, play games. Mm. That's why I can only play, like, WoW and Hearthstone, and that's it. Well, you getting Shadow of the Colossus when that comes out? No, I already beat that. As beautiful as it's going to be, I don't have time to go back and do that. I still have to get uh, the Last Guardian. Oh, 
Nah, I'm no. I ask the last guardian. The really? idea. I got so mad. There's so Trico doesn't listen to you the way that uh, you really should, and it's very yeah, frustrating. Yeah, my kid. What? <laughs> <laughs> I think I might actually be used to that. I might have the skills I need to play that game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I have no patience. I'm good with dogs. No, not that bird dog that's in the game, then. Not the bird dog, no. <laughs> Just regular dogs. Uh, okay. All right. Well, if you listen to this, uh, we'd love to hear what you have to say. Let us know what you think. Do you think there is a uh, oversaturation of games, or maybe games are just being devalued, or they're taking up more of our time? All good points that were made here today. Uh, and I think we're good on that. We could probably wrap up here if everybody's if everybody's happy with that. So uh, right now, I don't have that long outro that I have normally because. This podcast is nowhere right now. Um, it's going to be on iTunes for sure, and then we're going to expand where it is. We're going to have it on iTunes, Google Play Music for sure, and then shortly after that, it'll probably expand out to all of our normal places. But whether you have an iPhone or Android phone or you listen on PC, you will have a place to listen to this podcast. But you know, if you enjoy the show, you can go ahead and subscribe to that. It's a huge help. And you can also feel free to leave a review that is a tremendous help as well. Uh, do you guys want to go out and get, get, give your social media out? Let people know where they can find you. Yeah, I mean, mine's pretty simple. Everything I have, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch, which I'm actually going to start streaming on again, hopefully soon. Um, but everything's just at S'mores Pop-Tart. So that's S'mores, S-M-O-R-E-Z, P-O-P-T-A-R-T. All right. And Nick? I am at WookieBH on Twitter. Uh, that's where you can find me. Okay. And you can find me at underscore Ja underscore on Twitter. That's underscore J-A-A underscore. And uh, yeah, on for Twitch, I just stream on the Mashless Buttons page. So go to twitch.tv slash Mashless Buttons and follow. If you want to see me get mad after my placement matches on Overwatch, which happened on Saturday. Uh, if you're listening to this, once again, very sorry for just shutting the stream off after our places got done, but that was fucking bullshit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so there is that. And um, we also, we do have a discord server, which is discord.me slash mash those buttons. If you're on the discord, we'd love to hear what you think of the show. Like I said, this is going to be a bi-weekly show. So this one should be coming out on January 22nd. And the next one after that will be January 5th. And uh, yeah, actually, um, Pop-Tart, you are going to Japan for Evo, correct? I am, yeah. It'll All be right. exciting. You want any snacks? No, I'm good. Ray usually gets pretty good. So she gets like boxes of shit that sent to her house. I don't know how she does it. I'm pretty sure. It is 2018. We've been to the moon. I'm pretty <laughs> sure we could just get that. Uh, you know, ordered and sent across the planet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so maybe after you come back, we'll talk a bit about your trip. That's not going to be the episode on the fifth, though. That'll be the episode after that one. So we'll see how you enjoyed that. All right. And with that, I think we're done here. Thank you guys for listening. And I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. And hopefully we will catch you next time. See ya. See, see ya. ya.